I'm Sarah Fenske. Not just anyone can step into the shoes of Harry S. Truman. Fortunately, the actor playing him on stage in Rolla this weekend has the perfect pedigree. He is the late president's grandson. Clifton Truman Daniel is the eldest son of Truman's only child, Margaret, and her husband, Clifton Daniel, who rose to become managing editor of the New York Times. Clifton Truman Daniel has played the title role in the one-man play Give Him Hell, Harry, for the past four years now, and he joins us today to tell us about it. Clifton, welcome. Hi, Sarah. Thanks for having me. So I have to start with a question that I'm sure you are asked all the time. What was it like growing up with a former president as your grandfather? <laughs> well, at first, I didn't, I didn't know he'd been president of the United States. My family had uh, neglected to tell me. <laughs> it I, seems like a big thing to leave out. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, I so I found out in school. I went to I, thank God it was first grade and not fifth or sixth. <laughs> I went into class that first morning, and the teacher went around the room and asked each of us to stand up and state our names and say a little something about ourselves and our families. And I apparently just stood up and said, Clifton Daniel, and plopped back down. And, and she said, but wasn't your grandfather president of the United States? And I said, I don't know. That's, <laughs> that's news to me. And I... I went home that afternoon. My mother told this story almost to the day she died. I went home that afternoon, and I dropped my book bag at the door, and I marched across the living room to where she was sitting reading, and I put my hands on my hips, and I said, Mom, did you know that Grandpa Truman had been president of the United States? And she said, Yes, but just remember something. Any little boy's grandfather can be president. Don't let it go to your head. <laughs> it didn't. went right over my head. I had no idea what that meant. That is, that is a great story. So she, I mean, she, of course, was fully aware of this uh, important <laughs> status there. But it sounds like she wanted to make sure that, that you didn't go around putting on airs over this. That's exactly right. I, I used to tell people it was, you know, to keep our lives as normal as possible. And I'm sure that was part of it. But the um, long line of Truman's being taught at a young age not to put on airs. So so you grew up in New York City, and your grandfather at that point was back in Independence, Missouri. Did you get to see him much when you were a kid? We spent holidays with him. Early in my life, he and my grandmother came to New York to visit every once in a while. They were there the day or two after I was born. Mm-hmm. They got news that Mom had gone into the hospital and hopped a train to New York from Kansas City. I, I so love the we, idea of a former president. He, you know, he doesn't end up arranging a, a private jet. He just hops a train. <laughs> well, better that than than get in the car and drive. He did that. They both of them did that in the early, uh, the late spring, early summer of 1953. After he left office, they just they threw their bags in the car and drove across country to visit friends. Drove back toward D.C. to visit friends, and of course, snarled traffic and tied up motel parking lots all the way across the country. I'm sure that every police force between Independence, Missouri, and and Manhattan were very happy that they didn't do that again. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it sounds like he was almost in a little bit of denial about what a big deal he was at that point. I mean, this is this really is a history of not putting on airs in your family. Uh, Yeah, no, he he just figured he he loved to drive. He just figured he'd get in the car and, and go back for a visit. So your grandfather died when you were 15 years old. Do you have pretty vivid memories of, of learning that news? Yeah, we were we were home in New York. Of course, it was around Christmas time. He died the day after Christmas in 1972. Mm-hmm. We were home. It was Christmas holiday. I was home from school. 
and we knew a couple of weeks before he died, he went into the hospital. So we knew that, that he was sick. And I, I do remember mom coming downstairs from a phone call in, in tears and telling the rest of the family that he had just died. Yeah, I mean, that must have been so hard for your mom. It was. I mean, only child, very close-knit family unit, those three. Yeah. So, you know, here he was, sort of a force in your life um, through the middle of your teenage years. And then all these years later, you're getting the chance to play him on stage. Did you have trepidation going into this to take on something? <laughs> like, you know, playing this, this great man. <laughs> Not so much trepidation playing my grandfather, but just trepidation trying to remember 85 pages of dialogue when there's no one else on stage with you to give you a cue. Yeah, that's a fair point right there. I mean, that these was... one-man shows, these are not for the faint of heart. No, and I, people asked uh, after the first few shows, they said, oh, that was really nice. What, what, you know, what's going through your head? And all that's going through my head is, what's the next line? What's the next line? What's the next line? Oh my God, please, what's the next line? So I'm sure that's not all that's going through your head. I imagine that is a significant part of what's, what's going through <laughs> well, your head. Well, not anymore. Yeah. Not anymore. I know it well enough now. So, yeah, the first been, eight shows were terrifying. I mean, you've been doing this now for four years. Do you get to the point where you're almost doing it on, on rote, where you might almost be like suddenly jarred into, wait a minute, I'm, I'm, I, I got to remember where I am in this script. <laughs> sometimes. And there's sometimes where, you know, knowing the script well enough, there's sometimes that you know, I take a little more time with, with some things than others than, than I did in other performances. I, you know, it, you try to make it new every night, so find something um, to do a little differently. You, you can't, you're sort of limited. You can't just stand anywhere you want because I've already set the light cues. You can't go wandering off. Um, but it, I know it well enough now that it's, I spend much more time trying to put myself in his shoes you know, the dialogue doesn't scare me quite as much, so mm -hmm. I can take my time and have some fun. So do you feel like the version you're doing now, the version that I should mention, people can see in Rolla uh, this weekend, that this is maybe a better version? It's like a fine wine, and you've aged into this. <laughs> <laughs> well, all actors age into it. I don't know how much trouble James Whitmore had with it back in 1976. But, and, and of course, I, uh, you know, I'm having a good time with it. I, I James Whitmore did a very good job, and he had a he had a good sense of humor. It's a very it's a fun script. Sam Galou wrote a good play. It's I think it's it captures my grandfather and it captures his sense of humor, and it's it's fun to do, and I think I hope fun to watch. So I'm I just I'm hoping that uh, uh, a little DNA maybe puts it on a different plane. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned James Whitmore. I mean, he gained uh, fame for this role. He gained a Best Actor nomination. Um, is it hard not to do an impression of James Whitmore doing I, an I impression of your yeah. grandfather? No, I wouldn't watch him. You wouldn't I, watch I him at all? I, no, I can't. I saw it when I was 19 years old, and I'm, I've probably looked at it online a couple of times since, but uh, when, it, when I first, when uh, Tony Rivenbark in Wilmington, North Carolina, where we opened the show in 2017 when he said all right learn the script i put two weeks aside for you we're going to do this i went and looked at at give him hell harry james whitmore's version online and i got about two seconds into it and realized and turned it off hmm. because you don't want to do james whitmore doing harry truman so what i did instead while learning the dialogue i just spent uh, hours and hours online with uh, videos and audio recordings at the truman library to catch my grandfather's accent and his, uh, some of his hand gestures, some of the way he stood and talked and moved. 
So speaking of your grandfather's accent, I want to play just a very brief clip from a famous speech by your grandfather. Uh, This is actually President Truman. He's before a joint session of Congress in March of 1947. And this speech is the one that's been credited with giving rise to the Truman Doctrine. If we falter in our leadership, we may endanger the peace of the world. And we shall surely endanger the welfare of this nation. Great responsibilities have been placed upon us by the swift movement of events. I am confident that the Congress will face these responsibilities squarely. And that, of course, is President Harry S. Truman. You're doing this uh, play in front of people who I'm sure remember that voice. What is the key to getting that voice right? For me, the key was, it. that's a good recording that you played, but a lot of them that you get from the era are very tinny. Mm-hmm. They don't have a lot of bass to them, so his voice sounds much higher pitched than it actually was. So you have to find good recordings like that to listen to. The hardest thing for me to remember to do was to, uh, you know, you heard him say welfare, mm-hmm. and he said war instead of war. It was war. So it's it's an interesting Midwestern Southern accent, and it took a while. I'm still not sure I've got it right, and my wife always warns me. Sometimes I start the show... And, and and then I snap into it and she'll say, yeah, you, you weren't grandpa for the first six or seven seconds there. Buddy. You need to <laughs> spouses are Spouses are sometimes your best critic. <laughs> well, a- she, she's also, she's the road manager, hair and makeup, costumes, props. So she is I'm with you. A, I'm just a talent. Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's amazing. Well, so look, I mean, you've now spent four years kind of walking in your grandfather's shoes, being immersed in his life and in some of these speeches. And I, I think about Harry S. Truman today. He's almost universally admired. People from both parties. It's the one thing they can agree on. You know, the historians put him on their top 10 list. The general public puts him on the most admired list. What do you think makes Harry S. Truman such a touchdown for so many people? Um. You know, he, well, generally, I mean, he tried to work across the aisle. He had good friends in the Republican Party. He uh, he was all in favor of bipartisanship and working together and compromise, moving forward together. He had a, a friendship, a close friendship with President Hoover. Uh, while he was in office, he put Mr. Hoover in charge of famine relief after World War II, which Mr. Hoover had done brilliantly after World War I. So Grandpa brought him back into public service, and the two of them were friends for the rest of their lives. Uh, I, sometimes people sort of phrase that question, like, what do I think was my grandfather's greatest accomplishment as president? And I think it was, he, he was admired by both sides, and I think he was one of our greatest presidents because he showed us that a, that a middle-class American, a farmer, a small businessman, a soldier, citizen soldier, uh, a county judge, can rise to the highest office in this land and do a better job of it than almost anybody else. Mm. They routinely put him fifth or sixth. I think he's been switching places with President Eisenhower. Um, And, of course, he's behind Washington, Lincoln, and FDR and Teddy Roosevelt. And the family line is that we we hope somebody digs up some dirt on Washington or Lincoln so we can move Grandpa up. you got to take those guys down. You know, I feel like there is a a movement afoot in this country. There may be some (laughs) former presidents who who drop a few notches. It's interesting to hear you talk about compromise, though, that this was something that he did because that's so out of style right now. That just doesn't (laughs) seem to be what anybody wants. Do you feel like maybe people are sort of secretly longing for that just because it is so out of fashion? I don't know if they are. I hope they are. And I hope they're longing for it not so secretly. 
so we can get back to some sort of semblance of cooperation and compromise in this country. Both sides are so entrenched yeah. and so so tribal and so combative that that it's... I mean, we've been there before. This is nothing... As Grandpa said, there's nothing new in the world but the history you don't know. But it's... Uh, it would be nice if we could pull out of it. So in our final minute here, this is now your second time coming to Missouri with this show. Does it feel like there's some special resonance of being here in the Show Me State with this one-man show? Of course. Of course. It's, it's Grandpa's home. He loved it. He, um, he said that at the end of his presidency, and the line is also in the show, that you know, having served the United States... He got to be what he said he, he got to go again into the top job in this land, which was U.S. citizen. You know, then in theory, all of our elected officials are supposed to be working for us. Mm-hmm. But he got to go home to Independence, Missouri, and he lived a, a, a very full, interesting, and, uh, and good life in the 20 years he had after office in Independence. Yeah, I mean, how cool that he just, you know, he didn't feel like he wanted to be, you know, globetrotting with celebrities. He came back to independence and, and <laughs> yeah, was happy to, you know, to be who he'd been. There's there's so much about this man that, you know, the more you read about him, the more you admire him. So I think if anybody Thank is you. a fan of Truman, they're going to want to catch this play. Um, and we do want to mention that is happening at 7.30 p.m. That's this Saturday at, at the Leach Theater. That's on the Missouri S&T campus in Rolla. You can find more information about that on our website. That's stlonair.show and you can see uh, Harry S. Truman played by his own grandson give him hell Harry Uh, Clifton Truman Daniel I want to thank you so much for joining us today thank you for having me Sarah I appreciate it St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio understanding starts here Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at choosewood.com.